well after I've, oh, excuse me, well after I've finished making the episode that's coming up, I have come back to the start here, I'll just find my car keys, it's not on here, no. I'll walk, um, I've got to go around to the shop to get some dog mints, uh, I, I, I'll just come back to the start here and um, uh, and think about the way that England stole Nigeria because I think England did steal Nigeria. Okay, and I think the way they did steal Nigeria and you can disagree with me as to whether they did. You know, there's a, a song by Burner Boy. I never, I've never heard of Burner Boy before. Uh, and I probably will never hear of him again. You know, but um, it, a song by whoever that is, a Nigerian rapper by the sound of it, uh, ha- was thrown my way. And um, the rap song by Burner Boy suggests that England uh, bought, essentially bought Nigeria as a business deal, you know, as a cold business deal, as a profit-making venture, okay, off a certain company, which I now know something about after having just scanned a few Wikipedia articles, and I don't care if that's not enough research. I'm not trying to be comprehensive here. I'm just getting a feel for how Nigeria started. I don't want to be an expert. Um, yeah. um, right. Uh, now, Birda Boy claims that England, which it did, um, purchased the, the uh, you know, purchased bits of Nigeria uh, from a company called the Niger Company in 1900 and then sort of built on that England and uh, spread out and ended up owning the whole of what became Nigeria, you know. Um, a little bit like, you know, here in Australia where England did, didn't, in 1788, England didn't come to Australia and take Australia, you know. Um, it established a colony and then land grabbed from there, you know, spread out slowly. Okay, so, yeah, and um, made a whole lot of different colonies actually all over Australia and then amalgamated them into one and called that Australia, you know, by about 1900, by 1901, you know. Now, in Nigeria, same sort of deal, you know, England started, uh, well, we won't call them colonies, they were called protectorates. Yeah, but and then eventually amalgamated all a whole lot of little protectorates into um, one big protectorate, you know, which they converted into a country called Nigeria, something like that, you know. Now the circumstances via which they did that, the English. Now earlier, now I forget the exact date, um, even though I said it earlier in in the episode coming up because. The bit that's coming up is all pre-recorded. Uh, I think it was 1879 or something like that. Um, England, England, 
chartered a company, you know, which became the Niger Company. It started off with a different name, you know, had a few different name changes. Doesn't matter, same company. But the British government chartered a company to, um, you know, resource strip, strip resources, you know, and land grab, but mainly resource strip uh, um, parts of what now are, what now is Nigeria. Now, at the instant that England, England did charter that company, I, I believe, you know, look up what the word charter means. I know what it means to charter an aeroplane. Uh, you know, it's yours while you've got it, you know. So you've got an interest in it, that aeroplane. Even though you don't technically own it, you know, you have an interest in it. Now, I think the minute that the British chartered a company to start stripping resources out of Nigeria, or, well, you know, out of the land that was to become Nigeria... I think that the instant, and it was a British company too, I came to discover, the Niger Company. I think the instant that the British government chartered a company to, you know, maybe it was Royal Charter, you know, chartered a company, doesn't really matter, chartered a company to start resource stripping what would become Nigeria, you know, um, the British government, at that point in time, had started the conquest of Nigeria, you know, because, come on, you know, uh, whoever was running the company would have been also in government, surely, some of them, or they were the brother or the cousin or the, you know, the live-in lover of whoever was in government, Um, you know, so all the people who were running the Niger company surely were closer than arm's length distance from everyone who was in government, you know. It's all a club, you know, it's a boys' club. Um, it's the gentlemen's club in England, um, and it's really all the one thing. So I say that the instant that the British chartered a company, a British company, to start resource-stripping and land-grabbing Nigeria, effectively land-grabbing Nigeria, you know, it had commenced um, the, the conquest of Nigeria. Uh, so I don't think it was a business deal. You know, it was just a method via which they could steal the country eventually. Um, I think that's the case, you know. And... Uh, um, so I don't think it was a business deal per se from the start. I think it was a resource stripping exercise and the best way to resource strip from the land that would become Nigeria was to set up this, you know, this front, this company to charter this for the British government to charter this company which eventually got ended up being called the Niger Company and then, you know, if it should take off and all that sort of st- stuff um take over that company you know uh, actually run the thing you know i've got experience in this a little bit i don't know about england in nigeria but you know i've seen you know just recently um yeah we've um just outsourced to um arm's length private industry um what what 
was called uh, our disability services in here in Victoria and Australia in the modern era in 21st century and I've just been I've been part of that and uh, you know but it's it's not really anything different you know um, all right look getting back to Nigeria so I think um, from the start England was after land grabbing and resource stripping Nigeria and um, it, uh, when they eventually did take over the direct running of the Niger company, you know, bought it out, um, you know, that was just a paper exercise. The, it was theirs all along, essentially and effectively, I think. So it wasn't a business deal. I think it was, a, it was um, an activity of government from the start. In, in, a, in essence, a political action from the start. It wasn't a business deal, you know. I think the purchase of the Niger Company by the British government in 1900, and this is just my take, you know, um, was was just the next step along in a process that had started in 1879 uh, um, and, and that had been started by the British government in 1879, and this was just, the, you know, the next step along. It wasn't a genuine purchase on the open market of... Um, Okay, so that's that. You know, so uh, that's what I think. Uh, I think, um, I think, Nigeria was stolen by the British from the start as a political um, move. I don't think it was a purchase. Now, uh, this is a burner boy in a song that's coming up makes the claim, and I'm reading the lyrics. Um, and uh, the lyrics don't seem to match up with the actual song that I heard. Uh, however, I can hardly understand him in the song, so I have to go to the lyrics. But the lyrics that seem to be put out by him say, um, and with respect to the creation of Nigeria, he says, actually, there's uh, one additional detail that bears mentioning. This is Burner Boy's words, as far as I know. In order to take over the territories from the Niger Company, the British government paid £865,000, a huge amount in 1900. And then Burner Boy says this, So let's establish a simple truth. The British um, didn't travel halfway across the world just to spread democracy. Nigeria started off as a business deal for them between a company and a government. Now, this is just an absolute pedantic technical point, but I don't think it was just a business deal. I don't think it was a business deal for them between a company and a government, you know, as, as, is the, as if those things were two genuinely different entities. Um, uh, the, the British government were heavily invested in that company already. They chartered it. In the first place, and I think that means something like the way you might charter an aeroplane. It's yours while you've got it, sort of thing. It might even be even stronger than that, you know, when you, when you're a British government chartering, you know, something like um, 
a Niger company back in those days. You know what I mean? So I don't think um, Burner Boy's got that right. And it's only a technicality. It doesn't really matter. But, um, you know, I'm not trying to prove him wrong or me right or anything like that. But sometimes I can use these rap songs and things like that to actually learn. It's, it's an easier way for me to learn about something like, you know, the formation of Nigeria, of Nigeria. You know, I don't want to prove him wrong or right or anything like that. But it's, he becomes, you know, this burner boy, um, if, I, um, if I tease out the um, inconsistencies in his story, I start to learn about the start, how Nigeria started, um, and I just start to do that, you know, and... Uh, learning is a lifelong experience and I'll probably over the years add to my uh, knowledge on how Nigeria started but I don't think the way Burner Boy is describing it here is right now um, he also quotes some English person um, saying that in the start of his song it's actually part of his lyrics he says in 1900, Britain officially assumed responsibility for the administration of the whole of what we now know as Nigeria from the Niger Company. Now, listen to the wording of that, you know, because the British are very strong with their word. You know, they mean what they say and they say what they mean, you know, unlike, you know, rappers in general. But, I, you know, that's just, you know, that's, uh, I reckon that's clear as day. Um, okay. Now, they didn't say the British here... I'm not saying, you know, this is an old audio from England. Now, in 1900, Britain officially assumed responsibility for the administration of the whole of what we now know as Nigeria from the Niger Company. Now, if Burner Boy was right and they simply purchased it from a separate entity, um, that sentence would have read very differently. It would have read, in 1900, Britain purchased... Uh, the whole of what we now know as Nigeria from the Niger Company. But they didn't say in 1900 Britain purchased Nigeria from the Niger Company. What they've actually said is in 1900 Britain officially assumed responsibility for the administration of all of that, you know? Which is very different wording. What they're saying is Britain already had unofficially Prior to 1900, Britain was unofficially um, assuming responsibility for the administration of the whole of what we now know as Nigeria from the Niger Company. So I think it was a process. It wasn't a simple purchase. That's what I'm getting at. And uh, in light of that, you know, I'll just slip slip now into what I recorded earlier, you know, which starts off with a bit of... um, Fun, waff, fun waffle from me. I like starting episodes with fun waffle. Um, and, and, and then um, I go back and back and back and I fall back into the episode proper. Yeah, so, okay, that's all. Let's see what I and Burner Boy have got to say about the formation of Nigeria. I mentioned in this episode coming up um, perhaps one or two times too many that I hate rap, Uh, but um, I like the Paul McCartney song, 
Little Lamb Dragonfly. In fact, that's my favourite song at the moment. So I think that means you don't have to be offended that I don't like rap uh, because anyone who likes Paul McCartney, uh, you know, bears watching more than anything and, be- and, and deserves some sympathy. Uh, and uh, and it, whatever his opinion might be on music, you can you can discount. You don't have to worry. Um, and I, I think just if you could bear that in mind as you listen to the episode coming up, I, I think that will mean that you won't be offended. You know, um, if you do love rap. There was a bigger context, by you know, and a most obvious context of geopolitics going on in the formation of Nigeria. So, um, okay. So, oh, in summary, um, Burner Boy said that England is claiming that Nigeria was settled only for uh, reasons of wanting to spread democracy. You know, and I say no, they weren't claiming that. Yeah, you know, they were. Um, you know, that's the sort of thing America might claim, but England wasn't claiming that in 1900. No way, surely. You know, um, and and he is saying, but instead of that, England actually was just there to make business deals. Well, no, I'm not that either. You know, wrong, wrong. You know, um, now I'm, I'm not. I'm not trying to get. England out of jail. They were bastards in a different way. There's a, there's enough bastard about the English to tell the full story. You know, you don't have to um, tell a false story about what bastards the English were. Tell the tell the people the real. Tell your rap fans the real story about what bastards the English were, and get them angry about that. I got no problem with that. But if you get them angry about the wrong thing, it just it just makes everything chaotic. It makes the public discourse chaotic and the debate and people are when people are angry about the right things you've got more chance of getting somewhere but if you get people angry about the wrong things you you're just going to have chaos because then the other side are just going to react and say that's bulldust you know then there'll be a fight and then there'll be riots in the street and that's what happens often miscommunication to say that very often uh, um, uh, yeah, I shouldn't say it with so much firmness at least because it's against my Zen uh, um, but then you know it, it was wrong wrong you know, on, on one view and it wasn't wrong wrong on another view yeah. there are shades of grey always you know and on the second point at least Burner Boy has a point, and um, it, it does appear that the British government bought the Niger Company. Because I'm learning this stuff as I'm going along right now, anyway. And uh, and and by the way, believe Burner Boy before you will believe me. With respect to what the Nigerian experience was back then, because he's Nigerian, he knows a lot more about this than me. You know, I bet. Uh, 
He's been living it all his life, probably, for the last 120 years, probably. I've been living the Australian life for the last 120 years, and, you know, I've done no research on this. You know, this is his country, not mine, so he'd know more about it, wouldn't he? Uh, but on some levels, I would know more about it than him from the English perspective, which is a valid perspective. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe from the Nigerian perspective, it was just a straight business deal, casual empire building, um, you know, nothing noble about it, you know, just business, you know, almost like mafia. Uh, but from the English perspective, there was geopolitics going on behind the scenes. Maybe the Nigerians don't care about that, you know, but it matters to the English, I'm sure, the fact that the Germans were after all that territory as well, you know, which I'm just picking up on. Yeah, you'll find that as this um, episode goes along. I'm just picking up on that little fact. The Bismarck, you know, the mighty Bismarck from Germany, was after um, Nigerian territory, you know, what was to become Nigeria. Okay. Uh, you know, so from the English perspective, there was geopolitics. Yeah. And uh, the geopolitics drove them to charter, by the look of it, um, for the purchase of a, uh, for a charter, a company, you know, charter it such that a company called the Niger Company, what would become the Niger Company, would buy some land down there and exploit that resource, you know, for their geopol geopolitical aims. You know, and then eventually, you know, they would charter it first and then eventually take over it for a princely sum of whatever it was, you know, 86,000 pounds, a hell of a lot of money back then, hell of a lot of money back then. Um, but the point is, it's almost like the British buying from the British, you know, the, and I'm discovering this, you know, I didn't know this before I started reading up on it. I'm new to this subject, you know. Um, yeah, but then, I, you know, I'll give Burner Boy permission to have a comment, a comment about Australia if he wants, even though I've been thinking about Australia all my life, and he probably hasn't. Okay, so there you go, you know. He's, he's got permission to talk about my country, and I'm giving myself permission to talk about his country, even on the basis of only a little bit of research. You know, how can I talk about his country on the basis of only a little bit of research? Well, I know the English pretty well, you know. I've been thinking about the English all my life too. My country, yeah. Well, <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, I'm not very Irish, yeah. but my ancestral land um, was colonised brutally by the English, just as surely as the Nigerians were had their land uh, colonised. You know? And um, Ireland was a protectorate as well, and um, yeah, totally colonised. You know, a lot of Irish people say we're black and we're proud. And there's a reason they say that, because they were treated the same, the Irish, you know, we escaped to Australia. And I actually ended up becoming British, really, in terms of my sensibility. Uh, so I'm British now, even though, you know, look, it's pretty clear uh, from the you know, um, DNA tests that some of my siblings did that I'm fairly Irish um, by extraction. Uh, oh, you can't trust those DNA tests. Well, yes, you can to one extent at least. No one's ever accused me of being a Kenyan, you know, a, 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 a sort of traditional Kenyan, a Kalenjin. I've never been accused of that. So, you know, people say, oh, you can't trust DNA tests, you know, almost as if you can't trust them at all. Well, you know, I haven't, you know, no DNA test will ever accidentally accuse me of being, um, you know, uh, 
a Native American. Um, uh, so to that extent, they're accurate, aren't they? They're going to pinpoint fairly accurate, accurately where I come from. Yes, but not exactly. I didn't. I didn't say exactly. I said fairly accurately. You know, that's all they ever claim to pinpoint someone uh, as uh, in, as far as their uh, where they come from is. Anyway, um, so, yeah, look, if you want the Nigerian perspective, I suppose listen to Burner Boy, but, um, yeah, but have a listen to me too, for fun, you know, because I might have a bit of an idea of, um, a general idea of uh, the motivation of the English, because here's what, here's what, that song is, um, speaks to the motivation of the English as much as it is it speaks to the experience of the Nigerians. You know, oh, what song? The song that's coming up. I don't even know if I've talked about that yet. Uh, oh, this episode is about a certain song that was thrown my way. A rap song. Have I even told you that yet? I don't think so. Uh, okay, uh, but that's coming up. Oh, maybe I should put it on. Um, actually, I think I will. I'll just stop talking and I'll put the song on. And, and then after that, I'll talk about it, but when I do talk about it after the song plays, uh, the next bit of audio that's coming up, me talking, you know, after the song, is, uh, and, I, and I say this myself, you know, this is my non-researched first impression or first reaction uh, to this song by Burner Boy. Yeah, and then I come back and, I, and, and, and then uh, do a tiny little bit of research, but not much, you know. Most of um, my commentary in this episode is based on what I know about the English and their and their culture and uh, their the turn of their mind, you know, and and and, um, you know, and um, Burner Boy is a Nigerian, I think. So what you what you're hearing is what a a Nigerian. perspective and an English perspective, you know, and uh, which one is true? Well, you, what you do is you listen to both of them, don't you? And whatever you think is true is true after you've listened to both of them, or just listen to one of them if you want. Yeah. I don't know, this, this podcast doesn't tell you how to think. Yeah. This podcast isn't even me talking to you, it's, talk, it's me talking to myself. Actually, there's one additional detail that bears mentioning. I hate rap, uh, but that's irrelevant to the point of this episode. It doesn't really matter whether I hate rap or not. I just hate rap uh, in general uh, for reasons I'll, I do get into in this episode coming up. But that's neither here nor there. You know, you, you can hate the song that's coming up, or you can love it. It really doesn't matter for the purpose of this episode you know that's just my own little bias and I think it's all good it's it's fine to have these little biases Uh, right now where is it I've just got to find play okay here we go maybe there's an ad at the start if there is just ignore it to understand Nigeria you need to appreciate where it came from In 1900, Britain officially assumed responsibility for the administration of the whole of what we now know as Nigeria from the Niger Company. And then, gradually over the years, British protectorates were established throughout the territory. In 1914, 
the protectorates were amalgamated into one Nigeria. I just realized that's English um, and I'm not being disrespectful I was waiting for the English to cut in but it is English okay Okay, I'll, I'll just stop it there because, look, if, if you like it, go and listen to it yourself. It's called Another Story, uh, but that's unlistenable for me, um, and that's okay, uh, but you get the idea, you know. Um, all right, so on with the episode, and the following uh, was recorded earlier before, I'd he- before I had even heard the song. Yeah, that's the first time I've heard the song, and I've already spoken this whole episode before I'd heard the song. And that's fine, because I read the lyrics. Yeah, um, I don't care how it's said, you know. I, I just go on the words myself. Oh, but if you don't listen to the song, you don't get the feel. I don't care about the feel. You know, I'm a psychopath. I don't care about the feel. I just, I'm just interested in the facts, you know. Not the feel, you know. Um, and, you know, the feel is important, but, you know, for the purpose of this episode, the feel doesn't matter. I'm just running on the facts with this episode. Maybe I'll do another episode another day on the feel, you know. But sometimes if you just go, if you go on feelings, uh, feelings are in conflict with the facts in general. Uh, Unless you're talking about the fact of the feelings. (laughs) Okay, look, just roll with it. Roll with this episode as much as you want to or don't, you know. All right, on with uh, what I recorded earlier and everything in this episode I recorded earlier. Okay, something different. I'm about to drive back from Sorrento to home and I've got some time on my hands. So I've just pulled over uh, and uh, I've had a rap song thrown in my direction. So just for fun, I'm going to see what I make of it. Now, it's by... Now, I'm going to disagree with it, but not because it's a rap song. I like to play devil's advocate with everything, everything. Uh, now, it's, 
it's a song that's been thrown in my direction and it's called Another Story a song by Burna Boy uh, who is Nigerian as I understand it and um, okay uh, but re- I'm going to um, de- play devil's advocate in a respectful way uh, so uh, so I'm not going to give it a spin or you know take the mickey yeah or anything like that I'm just going to have a look at it straight and see what I make of it uh, okay and it's about Nigeria and um, and the song apparently I don't listen to rap music but um, uh, mainly because I can I can never understand it but then I can I, you know there's a lot of rock and roll I don't understand either you know uh, to just listen it depends uh, the, the James Rain, the Australian rock and roller. You know, I can't understand a word he's saying either. Right. Uh, you know, he's got that song, Fall of Rome. I like that one. In the morning, I want to scratch my head. Yawning. You don't, you don't know what he's saying. You know, I never know what he's saying. And rap's a bit like that for me. So I'd rather just go straight to the lyrics. Um, okay. And there's a little bit of an intro, which is not part of the rap song, so I'll read that. And this is by, a, I believe, by the guy, Burner Boy, who I don't know, I don't know who it is. But to understand Nigeria, you need to appreciate where it came from. In 1900, Britain officially assumed responsibility for the administration of the whole of what we now know as Nigeria from the Niger company. I don't know who owned that. You know, my guess is France. You know. Okay. It doesn't say. Yeah. Um, but it says Britain assumed responsibility from whom? You know, from someone. Okay. Yeah. Or, or maybe it was a British company and the British government took it over. You know, I don't know. Anyway. And then gradually over the years, British protectorates were established throughout throughout the territory. In 1914, the protectorates were amalgamated into one Nigeria. Okay. And then, reading on, this is Burner Boy's words, uh, actually, there's one additional detail that bears mentioning. In order to take over the territories from the Niger Company, the British government paid £865,000, a huge amount, in 1900. Okay, all right, that makes it fairly clear. The British government, you know, bought out the Niger Company, which would have been a privately owned affair. You know, so, um, okay, that's fair enough. That sort of thing happened a lot. You know, there was the uh, British India, you know, there was the India, East India Company, wasn't there? Was that Dutch and all that? Sort of, a lot of things, a lot of the um, New World was opened up by companies, but it was all mixed up with government as well, you know. But that, that, and, and this is clearly saying that um, there's a fine line between the British government and business, you know. And, and this is borne out by what Burner Boy says next. All right, here we go. The British government paid £865,000, a huge amount in 1900. And then it goes. So let's establish a simple truth. The British didn't travel halfway across the world just to spread democracy. Nigeria started off as a business deal for them between a company and a government. 
Incidentally, the Niger company is still around today, only it is known by a different name, Unilever. But that's another story. Okay, so that all makes sense to me. Um, probably the only thing I'd put a circle around is just that one line that said, so let's establish a simple truth. The British didn't travel half away, halfway across the world just to spread democracy. Nigeria started off as a business deal for them. Now, you know, now the song is called Another Story, and he's, uh, I think he's setting up the song there, so let's establish a simple truth. The British didn't travel halfway across the world just to spread democracy. Nigeria started off as a business deal for them. Now, here's the thing. I don't think the British ever... Surely the British aren't claiming, you know, that they went over there for noble reasons of spreading democracy. You know, that's, what, that's my first impression of that. Um, and my guess at this point in time, given that the song is called Another Story, and I actually haven't read the rap song yet. I can see the first few lines, but... Um, Given the song is called Another Story, you know, it's almost like this rap song is going to offer you a story that is alternative to a wrong story that has been put about. But I don't think, I don't think the British are claiming that they were over there for any great noble purpose in Nigeria. You know, the British, the British were um, transparent when they went out into the new world that they were into oh, look they they weren't into spreading democracy per se they weren't going around the world like americans did later you know the the way americans go around the world saying you know like george w bush you know we want to see democracy you know we truth justice and the american way freedom democracy you know that's american rhetoric yeah, that's American rhetoric as far as I can see. I, I think the British back in 1900, and ever since and even before then, um, were not in that, into that sort of American rhetoric. You know, that American rhetoric came out of the French, the, um, well, the French and the American Revolution, you know, where freedom and democracy, you know, bringing back the ancient ideals of the Greeks and all that sort of stuff, you know, that was the idealism, idealism of Americans, you know, and I worry that he may be mis mixing up American, oh, given it's a rap song, um, and rap is hev heavily sort of seems to have this feel that it um, extrapolates American thinking to apply to the whole Western world, you know. But um, you know, when, um, let's say, rap music is going anti or let's say establishment America, they're not necessarily going anti-West, you know, because the American... Uh, what America is trying to export, export to the world is not the same thing as what Britain was trying to export to the world. Um, America, you know, truth, justice, democracy, you know, uh, you know, these American ideals of freedom and democracy, you know. But the British tended to, back in 1900, want to, um, they actually thought just being British, not necessarily, they weren't so into democracy, you know, they were into king and country, which, you know, was a little bit anti-democratic and, you know, anti the ideals of the, um, the United States of America, anti-American, um, 
you know, like Australian politics is um, in some ways an anathema to the ideals of America. Um, I don't think we were chanting democracy, you know. Okay, so let's establish a simple truth. The British didn't travel halfway across the world just to spread democracy. Nigeria started off as a business deal for them. Now, the British were transparent. They were into um, stripping other lands of resources. You know, that's what caused the American Revolution. England was trying to tax the Americans too much, strip money out of America too much. So I don't think England is claiming, or ever did claim, that they were going to places like Nigeria to spread democracy, you know, in some sort of noble sort of quest. They were over there to strip money, you know, in, as part of the scramble for Africa and all this sort of thing. They were over there for, you know, improper purposes, really. And if anything, to the extent that they wanted to um, spread any values, they just, they, they thought that if everyone would be like them, the world would be a better place. But be like them wasn't spreading some sort of, you know... Um, ideal out of ancient Athens like the Americans tried to do you know um, know, liberal arts and all this sort of stuff you know liberalism you know that's Americans and all that sort of stuff the British just thought the British way was the best you know be like the Queen be like the King in the country you know and all this sort of stuff just be British be more British and you'll be alright it's not really about democracy it's about queuing up and you know Having and putting your knife and fork the right way around next to your plate and all that sort of stuff and uh, all those other things that make a British person British, you know, stiff upper lip and all this sort of stuff, you know. That's what the British are up to. Not over there to spread democracy. So I think he's responding. It's almost like this burner boy might be saying that um, the British, you know, it's almost like he's imagining the British were Americans and, uh, you know, lying about wanting to spread democracy, you know. Um, and he's here to tell us that, no, they were not here to spread democracy. Well, I actually think that the British, even the British would say they weren't here to spread democracy. They were here to make some money, and even they would say that. So, um, so Burner Boy is saying he's got another story to offer, one that is uh, the opposite to the story that he's claiming the British are putting about, that they were there for noble purposes. I doubt that the British claim that they were in Nigeria for noble purposes, for just noble purposes. You know, he says, the British didn't travel halfway across the world just to spread democracy, you know. Yeah. Um, and and to illustrate, you know, and my daughter just sent this to me today, to illustrate that the British were self-aware as to um, the fact that they were... They were uh, they were in other lands, um, uh, sort of imposing their will against an unwilling populace. Um, you know, because the English did the same sort of thing in in Ireland, of course. Uh, and I'm you know Irish. I'm Irish background apparently. Um, but Churchill, a quote from Churchill, which was later than 1900, but not much later. Um, and Churchill says here, we have always found the Irish. A bit odd. They refuse to be English. Now, that's a great quote because Churchill there doesn't need to be educated that the English are being high handed and wrong. He's actually saying there, we English are bad. 
We're still going to do it, you know, says Churchill here. We're still trying to impose Englishness on the Irish, but we know that it's uh, not reasonable, you know, in the same way that, um, you know, uh, know, we want the Irish to be more English, you know. It's just as reasonable the Irish would want the English to be more Irish, you know. So he is saying that the English do have this habit of going to other lands and, um, and... Wrongly, you know, because it's inherent in his words there, wrongly um, trying to impose Englishness on people who want to be themselves. You know, he recognises that it's wrong. We have always found the Irish a bit odd. They refuse to be English. Now, I would lay out to the extent that the English were trying to impart any values on, well, for example, the Nigerians or anyone in Africa or anyone in, in China, you know, like they had Hong Kong to, and turn them into... Uh, you know, that made them a bit English, the Hong Kong people. Now, as it turns out, the Hong Kong people, uh, that was handed back to China, you know, because England had it for 99 years as an an administration. uh, The English were administrators of Hong Kong. And and the British did make Hong Kong fairly English in spirit, you know. And China is trying to um, make Hong Kong Chinese again. And... Uh, Hong Kong has been rioting, shocking riots for the last six months or whatever, or longer. Um, the whole city's in a mess because the people of Hong Kong, and they are ethnically Chinese, are saying, no, we want to be more English, you know. So the English have had a win there. To a certain extent, what the um, English tried, what the English did in Hong Kong was to say, listen, you'd be better off being a bit more like us. Um, and the Hong Kong people, and these are ethnically Chinese Hong Kong people, are saying, actually, we agree. I, I think they're largely saying that in these Hong Kong riots now. Um, and um, they're vo- you know, and they're rioting against China's attempts to strip away the institutions that England put in Hong Kong. Now, when England went to Nigeria, the story, I think that the English were telling to the Nigerians was that, um, number one, we want to take a lot of your money off you, you know. Um, you know in the scramble for Africa, you know, England, it was patently obvious the English were saying, we're stripping this, we're stripping this joint, we'll try and make you more English too. But Churchill sort of suggests in his quote before, we have always found the Irish a bit odd. They refuse to be English. You know, you can actually read into that. We have always found the Nigerians a bit odd. They refuse to be English. He's self-aware there. He's telling the same story that Burner Boy here is telling. Um, that, um, that, it's not necessarily a welcome thing. You know, another country being sort of uh, enjoined or you know pressed into being more English, you know, he said, but, you know, the English, you know, the English say, this is what we do, you know, um, it might be wrong, but we think it's the, for your, you know, it's, um, patriarchal, um, we think it's for the best, if you be more like us, and we won't be more like you, you know, that's the way the English were, and the other thing, you know, and they were into mostly ignoble, um, look, it was a mixture of, um, Everything, you know, uh, all power and greatness to England. Um, we are better than you. They were obvious about that, you know. Uh, rule Britannia, you know. 
pretend you rule the waves. You know, they're very open about what they're up to. The English, they're not trying to pretend they're up to something nice. You know, England will never, ever, ever. God save our gracious Queen. You know, read the oh God, read all those songs word for word. I could read them out, and they're advertising what they're up to. The English. In their national anthem and their, you know, their favourite song, Rule Britannia. We know what they're up to, all right? Um, that's the story they're telling them. Whereas um, this Burner Boy song seems to be suggesting, well, it is. It's suggesting that um, a sneaky lie has been put about that the English were there just to spread democracy. You know, so I think the premise upon which this song uh, is responding to, <laughs> is wrong. I, I, think he's, I think he's... What he's doing is manufacturing um, a, a narrative in which the English are claiming they were in Nigeria for noble reasons. He's manufacturing uh, that lie in order to oppose it. You know, I think Burner Boy is doing that. Now, look, the English, you know, it, it's it's a grey area, you know, because um, to a certain extent the English did think they were up to something good in making other people English. But, you know, Churchill there shows some self-awareness. But the point is I think Burner Boy here in his little um, introduction has manufactured a fake claim. You know, he's fake claiming... That the English were are claiming that the English are saying that they were in Nigeria just to spread democracy. Yeah. I don't think they were claiming that at all. So the premise upon which he is making this song, I think, is shaky. Um, so um, what he said is um, the English are telling a story. And he wants to tell you another story, right? Now, I'm not necessarily going to um, disagree with his other story, but what I do disagree with is that the English are telling the original story. You know, he's, he's responding um, to something that doesn't exist. He's making that up, you know. Now, all right, so I think um, he is telling another story I think the English are telling another story too, you know, other than the one he's saying this, they're claiming, you know. All right, so, which I think will stuff up his whole song, but let's, you know, because I already read the first few lines. Right, I, now, now I'll read it straight. This is not about disrespecting rap. I hate, happen to hate rap, but the point is I'll just read it straight. I won't, I won't take the mickey out of the words. I'll, I'll read it exactly as it's written, and it goes like this, and it's fine. It's a different language. You know, it's not necessarily a worse language or a better language, but this is, um, well, this is rap language, but all right, here we go. A, or it could be I, you know, A. They want to tell you, oh, tell you, oh, tell you, oh, another story, oh, story, oh, story, oh. Since 1960, them day play us. Why, oh? Now, pause just there. So, so far the song is wrong, I think. They want to tell you, oh, another story. Now, the other story that he wants to tell, because it was in the introduction to his song, um, they want to tell you another story. He is claiming that the British want to tell you a story 
that they travelled halfway across the world just to spread democracy. I don't think they... I don't think they were telling you that other story. So he is saying they want to tell you, tell you, tell you another story. I don't think they were. I think I think he's... I think he's falsely accusing the British of claiming that they travelled halfway across the world to Nigeria just to spread democracy. You know... He's accusing them of something I think they weren't saying. Okay, let's let's read on. This is the rest of the song. You know, I, I just said that bit, you know. Since 1960, them day play us. Why, oh. You know. Now, I'll read on, and I'll just read it straight. And, you know, it sounds better, I'm sure, in rap sort of chanting. But, Shay we go, day cry forevermore. A day pain me, gaga, oh, ah, you know. A day pain me, gaga o a. A day pain me, gaga o ah. A day pain you, oh, a day pain you, gaga o well, well. A day pain me, gaga o ah. A day pain me, gaga o a. A day pain me, gaga o ah. A day pain me, gaga o a, gaga o. Now that sounds crazy you know, but it would sound a lot better in rap, you know, because I, I love Little Richard, and he sings songs that would sound like that if I read them out, you know, uh, probably not in that sort of pidgin English, uh, Little Richard still spoke more in straight English, but still, you know, all, yeah, no, no, but anyway, it doesn't matter, this is a different language, you know, so I imagine it's French, okay, that's all right. Next paragraph, or um, verse. They want make we all enter one corner, Shebi O, you know, which could be Nigerian, that word Shebi, I don't know. Right, let's start again. They want make we all enter one corner, Shebi O, cause A, B, lie, them day, tell me since I was a baby, O. All the times them go promise and fail, O, R. See, I'm not sure that they... He's opposing what he's claiming the English said, you know, or promised, if you like, and, and and they're saying they promised something and they failed. Look, I'm sure they did that because they're uh, the English do that all the time. They promise things uh, because um, they are treacherous. The English are treacherous in their deals because it's business. It's not spreading democracy, you know? It's like trying to do um, business with a snake doing business with England back in 1900, but I think they were pretty transparent about that. They weren't trying to spread democracy. They were like Donald Trump doing a business deal. They were telling lies, you know, but they weren't trying to spread democracy per se, you know. All right, let's go. So I think he's responding to something that... uh, I think he's mixing up America and England to tell... uh, to a very large extent. I really think that. But anyway, okay. (sighs) Where was I? Uh, All the times them go promise and fail. Oh, ah. We done day, we day slim, them day shade. Oh. Okay. Them, Them day shade might mean... Um, that um, England do shady deals, 
uh, or it might have some sort of rap connotation, but that's what it sounds like. So, we day slim, you know, maybe that's rap for, you know, we operated in good faith. And them day shade, oh, them day shade means the English um, were treacherous in their business deals, you know. Okay, you know, big surprise. Of course they were treacherous. You know, that was the whole idea of the scramble of Africa, to strip resources, you know. All right. Now, he says that whole verse again, which I won't read again. They want to tell you, oh, tell you, oh, tell you, oh, another story, oh. And that's all right. You know, it sounds silly when I'm reading it out, but it doesn't sound silly when it's said in a song. You know, it's that whole, a day pain me, gaga, oh, ah. You know, that sounds silly when I read it, but it doesn't sound silly when you listen to it. I'm sure I didn't listen to it. Right, now, next verse. Which kind country be this? Chael, I conf, you know. Sometimes I for day move away, maybe a month. Oh, that's that thing in rap where they just force a rhyme, even if it's not great, you know. Uh, Chael, I conf. Now, conf might mean conference, you know. They've got this way of smashing a rhyme, even where... Even if it doesn't make sense, the rhyme is king and they'll just smash words in there, you know. All right. Which kind country be this? Chael I conf. Sometimes I for day move away, maybe a month. More or less, more yawa, less people power, same shit, Ghana, Niger, man, tire. Stuck in traffic, I hate, I day hate delay. Big man get the motorcade. Big Benz and the Escalade. Hustle, just day escalate. But March 6, we go celebrate. That might be their, um, you know, this is smashing rhymes in, you know, whatever. You know, even if it was, um, even if it didn't, you know, it's, oh, it's a bit, oh, you know, in Western culture, you wouldn't, unless it makes sense, you wouldn't do it, you know, but you just got to rhyme, you know, no matter what. Okay. March 6th might be their Independence Day for all I know. Um, okay, let's keep going. Every year be the same cock and bull. Propaganda, you day push, no day pull. E, D, pain, people tire for this matter. Yeah, people are sick of this is what that means, I'm sure. Every day... For thief, man, one day for master. Effie Nephi. All right, now this would be just the local language. So I'll just read it. Um, Effie Nephi, me, Natuma, Infrimu. Now, I don't mind this because it's another language. It's only when they do English as rap. I hate English done as rap. I just consider that a separate language. It's just absolute... Uh, butchering of the English language, but not in a way that improves it. I, I see, you know, because um, English, like all languages, and even, you know, the local Nigerian languages would be the same, what you do is you refine a language over centuries and um, you generate the language. You know, it becomes... It's a generative process. And, um, and this would be all languages, all languages, including all African languages and everything. Um, what they do 
it um, languages refine themselves until they knock off all the edges and they become logical and sensible and all that sort of stuff. What rap has done is take a fully refined language um, and then kind of smashed it up and made it uh, illogical and grammatically bad. Yeah, not on a um, opinion level, but on a mathematical level. The log, you know, the logic within the words is all smashed up. You know, and it would be just as horrendous if they did it to any African local African language. If they smashed up those languages and took away all their structure and bent them and smashed them and forced rhymes into them, it would destroy. You know, take any language in Africa. If you did what the rappers de- do to English to those languages, and probably they are doing that, it would. You know, people who love those languages would be tearing their hair out. You know, um. I know there's a language called Swahili, you know. And if the rappers are doing to Swahili what they're doing to English, people who speak Swahili, you know, I think that's over near Kenya, um, would would be angry, really, because it's degenerative. See what it's doing? It's degenerating the language. So rappers degenerate English and make it worse. You know, it's not necessarily an improvement. It's making it worse because, you know, you know, uh, I ain't never done nothing is degenerative. It's degenerate. It's degenerate, you know, um, because, it, you know, I ain't never done nothing. It's triple negative, you know, it still comes up with the same result. Three negatives make a negative, but it's awful, you know. Okay, logically awful, you know, not a matter of, you know, personal opinion. It's just logically awful. All right, now, I don't... now. This is in the modern, in the, uh, in a, uh, surely it's in a uh, local Nigerian language. Now, it's possible, given he's a rapper, he's, he's um, butchering the local language too, at a guess. I don't know local Nigerian languages. I don't even know what they speak. But he says here, Efi Nephi, me Natumi Nefrimu. Oman no se a yen nianya. Yi Ti Mu and so on so forth, yeah. It keeps going like that. Um and and um I think there's a fair to middling chance that he's butchering his local language and probably people who love the local language in Nigeria, some of them, maybe people my age in Nigeria, would be hating it. If they love their language, you know. Because it takes centuries to refine your language and you know, only takes couple of years for rappers to rise up and butcher it you know and and they're butchering English too but one good thing is most of us are just ignoring that and we're hoping it breaks off as a separate new language you know rap you know African-Americanisms really it's African-American it's nothing new. and you know I for one I'm hoping they just come continue you know I'm encouraging them keep going rappers butcher it more butcher it more butcher it more go 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 you know because I know the more they butcher it and this one's pretty butchered um, you know, you heard me read. You heard me read right back at the start. Well, I'll go back to that. Um, what did he say? Um, they want make we all into one corner. You know, Shebby O. Cause e be lie them day tell me since I was a baby. All the times them go promise and fail. Yeah, we don day 
We day slim, them day shade, you know. Now, that's total butchering, but I want them to keep going. America, African-Americans, I'd like them to split off and create a completely separate language that I don't even understand. I don't want to understand them, and I don't want them to understand me. I want us to split into two cultures. I want, I want the split to happen because I'm not going down that path whatsoever, and they're not going down my path whatsoever. If you're listening to me speak right now, they have no time for someone who speaks like that. I've heard them speak. Um, you have to speak in a certain way even. It's crossed over out of rap music and they speak like that. You know, when you're interviewing them, it's awful to my ears, but then I'm awful to their ears, you know, and it's all fair. Um, so the quicker that rap splits off into a separate language, the better. You know, I want to part ways. I don't, want, I don't even want their language to be called English, you know, because it's not a refined English. It's a degenerate English and they should stop calling it English altogether and call it something else. You know, call it rapping, rapish, you know, rap, raplish. They can call it raplish, you know, but it shouldn't be called English anymore. It's not English. English is a well thought out and refined language, you know, as refined by, you know, everyone from Chaucer through to Shakespeare and all that sort of stuff. You know, that was a process and it took centuries, you know, and in the last 10, 20 years, rap has just butchered it. And uh, I think rather than try and um, oppose that, we should encourage rappers to keep going um, and go for it and just split off as a separate language. That happens all the time. You know, there used to be a vulgar Latin, which split off and became French and Italian and Spanish, you know, and um, whatever the Romanians speak now, you know. Um, and the rappers should do that. They should speak Raplish. We should start calling it Raplish. And right, now there was one more verse uh, oh it's chorus and it's a repeat oh the song's finished you know, so there's no more information available out of this song this song practically said nothing uh, it just said they. you know what this song just said and I'm just remembering what I've already read it said the English came to Nigeria um, to do business not for some noble purpose of spreading democracy and um, and the English are trying to tell you that they were here just to spread democracy just that's ex- his exact words just to spread democracy and uh, you know that's where I think he's lying I don't think the English are saying that and he's saying um, that they want to tell you that other story you know and he's here to tell you the truth you know so he's a truth seeker you know but unfortunately, in this whole song, he hasn't told me anything that I didn't know already. I'm not enlightened. I'm just hear some, hearing someone uh, just tell us something we all already knew. Okay, now the last chorus is, they want to tell you, oh, tell you, oh, tell you, oh, another story, oh, oh, oh you know. Since 1960, them play, them they play us. Why, oh? You know, that's the line. Since 1960, them day play us. Why, oh? Yeah. Um, since 1960, I think... Um, yeah, I, I think they're saying they're being um, ripped off. You know, and I think they are on oil and all sorts of things, Nigeria. Uh, but rather than complain about that, you know, why did you let them is, what, is something that I'm thinking. You've got to rise up and fight the bastards, you know, rather than, you know, actually stop them doing that. And this, you know, I think this is true of anyone who's been dominated by England. Uh, rather than um, 
on one level I'm thinking is it a little bit embarrassing complaining about that all the time um you let you did let them you know in history you know everything that English have done that's bad in the world um you did let them you know I say that to every race and culture and continent um yes they did bad things but they were pretty open about their plans to do bad things the English and you kind of let them okay and um and then it finishes off with that chant a day pain me gaga oh a day pain me a day pain you you know and then it finishes off with that on repeat a day pain me a day pain me a day pain you a day pain me end of song okay that's it just felt like having a little chat about that song make of it what you will or don't Happy Boxing Day. Today is the day after I recorded that which you just heard. And uh, that was that which you just heard was uh, recorded on the fly. Sorry if there's a bit of... Just a second, there's a bit of a wind here. Um, yes, so... Uh, yeah, I just felt like uh, having a chat about my impression of a rap song which had been sent my way and last night without any uh, research I had a chat about that that's my thing to have a chat about things without research sorry about this wind I know it's bad it's like a wind tunnel these days in Melbourne the city uh, because there are huge skyscraper high uh, apartments going up like, as I look to my left, right outside my old uni, uh, there must be one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and there's another few over there. Uh, Skyscraper, well, more, you know, as I walk, I see even more. It looks like Hong Kong. Um, apartments going up, and they all look like little boxes. Little boxes. Uh, yeah, that's the new Melbourne. Uh, anyway, so, yeah, right. Now, in that episode, I didn't know anything really about the Niger Company, which was the precursor to um, the formation of Nigeria as a nation. All right. Now, I've just jumped onto Wikipedia, uh, you know, which is another take on what all that is about. Uh, the take you just heard was um, the take of someone called Burner Boy, whoever that is, a rapper. Now, what does... What does um, now, he is a Nigerian, I believe, so he might know more about all this stuff than whoever has written... Uh, an article on Wikipedia about the Niger Company, you know, which was, as I say, the precursor to the country, uh, Niger. But let's just read what Wikipedia says, which is just one other sort of uh, take on on what happened back then in the formation of Nigeria. Here we go. Uh, and immediately says, 
Royal Niger Company. All right. I think we're talking it was a British country, uh, company. Right. Here we go. The Royal Niger Company was a mercantile company chartered by the British government in the 19th century. Okay. Chartered by the British government. Or I think Burner Boy has uh, kind of uh, misconstrued things for us a little bit. You know, uh, the way he said in his... Uh, the, in, in the introduction, introduction to his rap song... Um, uh, was uh, uh, that the British government just bought it, you know, off someone else, but it looks like they chartered it in the first place. You've got to watch what you read, you know, and watch what you hear. I, I, I'm seriously concerned, as one should always be, <coughs> about the idea of anyone reading anything or listening to any rap song or any song, really, by anyone and just... Um, having an emotional reaction to it before they um, have uh, got some other takes on it. uh, I'm a bit immune to that because I don't have any emotional uh, reactions really. Uh, um, I'm a psychopath. Right, here we go. It was formed in 1879. This is the Royal Niger Company. Um as the United African Company and renamed to National African Company in 1881 and to Royal Niger Company in 1886. In 1929, the company became part of the United African African Company, all right, which came under the control of Unilever in the 1930s. Uh, yes, and came under control of Unilever. Yeah, it might be a separate company, this Unilever, uh, which which bought uh, the Royal Niger Company. So it's not quite now known as uh, Unilever. All right. Um, until 1987, when it was absorbed into the parent company. Okay, look, you'd have to n- know a lot about how uh, law and business has worked since the since 1879 to know what was going on there, but it was that there was a lot more to it than uh, I guessed. Reading the start of the Burner Boy rap song, which you would expect, you know, a rap song is. It was a very potted history that Burner Boy was putting together, and I, I'm sure it wasn't supposed to be uh, comprehensive in any way, shape, or form. Look, it was nowhere near comprehensive. I'm against little three-minute grabs trying to tell you about history. I prefer an, an, hour, an episode of a podcast that goes for an hour and a half, or preferably... A mini-series of podcasts that goes for about eight hours that chats about these things. I'm very concerned about um, people learning their history, for example, from rap songs, and uh, you know, which try and distill very complex things in three minutes. Okay, let's read on. Uh, I'm walking, by the way, as you can probably guess. 
The company existed for a comparatively short time, 1879 to 1900, but was instrumental in the formation of colonial Nigeria as it enabled the British Empire to establish control over the lower Niger against the German competition led by Bismarck during the 1890s. In 1900, the company controlled territories the company controlled territories became the Southern Nigeria Protectorate, which was in turn united with the Northern Nigeria Protectorate to form the Colony and Protectorate of Nigeria in 1914, which eventually gained independence within the same borders as the Federal Republic of Nigeria in 1960. All right. Now, Vernon Boy didn't mention uh, that if England hadn't formed what we now call Nigeria, so to speak, then Germany would have. Yeah? So I don't think England just bought the Niger company and formed Nigeria and it was just a straight business deal. It was political, surely. Come on, Burner Boy, it was political. You know, this was part of Bismarck. He was the big enemy. He's the bad guy. You know, Bismarck was scary. Totally scary. Um, if you know about Bismarck, I mean, Napoleon uh, smashed uh, the Germans. Uh, yeah, back before they were Germany. And, um, and, uh, Bis and um, yeah, before Bismarck's time, Napoleon um, defeated the Germans uh, the Teutons was, and uh, and so on, and uh, and put in place punishing um, reparations after defeating the Germans and smashed them to pieces. You know, uh, um, uh, insulted them, all that sort of stuff. Um, and then, um, as a result of that, you know, the French being too tough on the Germans after they defeated the Germans. I think there was a treaty made or something, and the um, the terms of the treaty were absolutely punishing, you know. And this was Napoleon being unwise, perhaps, um, because then Bismarck rose up in, in in a fit of German nationalism, rose up and uh, did the same back to the French. Now the treaty originally, I think, had been you know Napoleon had been. Um, signed by in the Paris of Versailles is that right and then Bismarck by way of punishment uh, now there was the um, siege of Paris you know which was awful you know uh, people starved they were eating rats and all that sort of thing uh, the French the Parisians and uh, Bismarck you know uh, finally got France to bow down and kiss his ass, and he made sure that they signed the next treaty in the same place, the Paris of Versailles, the, in the uh, Palace of Versailles. You know, this is the late 1800s, I think, mid to late 1800s. Um, well, probably the mid. Now, um, this all this all leads up to World War Two and to the current day, believe it or not. Um, and then, eventually, and, and Bismarck punished the French 
as a payback with the terms of the treaty. All right, so Bismarck, and this is, this is at this period in time, and the English are off to the side here, and uh, you know, Bismarck is a great risk. So that's involved, Bernaboy. You know, it wasn't just a straight business deal, as you're putting it about. You know, there was huge politics going on here. Or is, you know, Napoleon followed by Bismarck, followed by World War II, followed by the rise of Nazism, followed by the Holocaust, followed by the creation of Israel, followed by September 11, followed by the current world order right now. Is that not big enough for you, Burner Boy? You know, the stuff England was dealing with was that big when they were dealing with Bismarck. Bismarck was big. There was, it was no accident that the flagship battleship that was uh, causing England so much trouble in World War II, uh, that that warship was called the Bismarck. Uh, and, uh, and the English, Churchill, you know, he said, sink the Bismarck. Because you know, that Bismarck was, was, um, going to lose the, was going to cause England to lose the war. It was blockading supplies from Canada and America, let's say. America was trying to stay out of it, but Canada, across to England, England might have been stuffed, you know. And eventually, um, now the Germans sunk the hood and, uh, and then, um, and, uh, and the British managed to uh, take out the rudder of the Bismarck. They couldn't sink it at that time, but when they took out the rudder, with a torpedo, I think it was. Um, the Bismarck started going round and round in circles and was a sitting duck. And then the English were able to sink the Bismarck and the war turned yet again. It was huge. Anyway, uh, so Nigeria, the geopolitics involved here, it was not just a straight business transaction, you know, England making a deal, casual empire building, you know, and the poor Nigerians are just sitting there. There were huge things going on in Nigeria. If the English hadn't taken you, I bet you Bismarck would have. You know, so it wasn't just England casually, you know, it's always put out there like that, including Australia, you know, and I've talked about that before. People say, oh, England came to Australia as, you know, part of their casual empire building, um, imperialism and all that. There was much more going on there. England had just lost the war when they came to Australia, lost a war against America, and, uh, and we're in a lot of trouble and might have actually disappeared. England might have disappeared. The the French might have knocked them off. There was a lot going, there's always a lot going on. England was fighting for its survival when it took Australia. It wasn't casual empire building. Something like that. Okay, now, um, so Bismarck. All right, so he was hovering, huh? And the English were worried about him. Okay, this all um, gives me a bit more information about you know, how Nigeria was formed. And obviously around about this time, England is, um, you know, uh, the, now this is the time of Queen Victoria. So England is getting stronger and is, you know, a, a superpower by now. Great, you know, as far as the English are concerned. But they're still worried about Bismarck and all this sort of... They're still worried about the Germans and with good reason, you know, because we know that World, World War One's coming up. Right, and now finally World War One breaks out and the Allies, let's say, the French and the English and all that, they win that war 
and um, and they grabbed the Germans and marched them back to the Palace of Versailles, same place that Napoleon punished the Germans originally, and then the Germans punished the French, you know, with successive treaties, and now the um, and now after World War One. The Allies, the French, the English, and you know, so on, the Americans, um, exact punishing, uh, payback treaty terms on Germany, you know, and this is going to lead to the rise of Nazism. Um, and then, um, you know, and this has been a pattern for a hundred years since Napoleon, okay. And then, as we know, the Nazis, uh, Hitler, you know, a surge of nationalism rises up. And, um, and goes nuts, you know, because Germany has been humiliated, you know, as it was by Napoleon. Um, and uh, Germany has been humiliated by Napoleon. And now it is being humiliated by, well, the English, for example, the Allies, you know, and the Americans and all that sort of thing, after World War I. But in between, Germany humiliated the what we might call the Allies, you know. Um, I've reached my car. And, you know, things like the whole Nigeria episode in Africa, it's bigger than Nigeria, as big as it is to the Nigerians losing their lands and all that sort of stuff. Horrendous stuff. I think the British are shocking for all of that, but they have big things going on at the same time and you know songs like these rap songs put it about that there is you know that there is just almost casual high and mighty empire building imperialism and business deal making going on between you know in the mind of the British in the minds of the British and others in Europe, but um, the scramble for Africa and all that sort of stuff was in the context of Europe itself, the Europeans trying to tear each other to pieces at the same time, and this business of the Europeans trying to tear each other to pieces, like rabid hyenas, you know, was the main game, and uh, in order to not be torn to pieces, you know, they shot off to Africa and scrambled down there and grabbed as many resources as they could and all that sort of stuff and stole places like Nigeria and all that sort of thing. It wasn't just a simple business deal. Do you remember? I, I can't remember the quote now because it's the next day, but the way Burner Boy put it at the start of his rap song, um, I think is a misconstruction of uh, what was on the mind of the British as they sectioned off bit after bit of the Niger area, um, you know, and chartered the British government, you know, the British chartered a company, so they ordered that it be formed and um, arranged it all and then, you know, obviously bought its own chartered company out in 1900, it's not quite nothing like the way Bernaboy uh, describes it. Uh, it's a huge deal. It's geopolitical more than just business. It's and you know what? It's not even about just um, uh, 
you know, some casual idealistic dream of the British to spread democracy. You know, it's nothing like that. You know, it's, it's something more to do with the context of the Europeans wanting to tear each other to shreds, you know, to um, hack and slash their way through each other. You know, that stuff is going on. And um, to a certain extent, the, you know, people, peoples like the Nigerians were just collateral damage, really. They were, the, you know, the British just marched in there. The Germans were marching in there. Everyone was going to take that place no matter what. As part of the European war, you know, endless European war um, over that 200-year period, which continues on to this day. I was interrupted earlier. Uh, it's a bit later in the day now. And, uh, okay, I, I'm pretty sure I finished. I'll go back and just check that the the end of that little segment I just recorded doesn't uh, finish too abruptly. But I think I finished. Uh, uh, and uh, what's fascinating about all that to me, everything's fascinating to me because uh, I'm easily fascinated. Uh, uh, now, um... Well, one thing that's interesting to me, it does remind me that there is a difference between England and America, and that was prompted just by uh, the use of this, by this burner boy, of the word democracy, you know, uh, suggesting that um, England was out to spread democracy, you know, uh, back in 1900. I, I really don't think so. Yeah. I think England was, number one, trying to survive. Look, by 1900, they were uh, sitting pretty again. Yeah, it was more around about 1800 that England was trying to survive, you know, at about the time that Australia was uh, being uh, colonised by the, the English. Um, but even by 19... Look, it's, if you're in Europe, it's always an exis existential problem. You know, you, you might not survive. You know, it's the law of the jungle in Europe... Uh, Europe's, a, you know, Europe, Europeans are a pack of bastards. But any individual European country which does not act like an utter bastard is dead. You know, that's the way it is. You know, the English go nicey nicey back in 1900, they're gone. You know, the Germans or someone will get them. Um, okay, so that, that, that's more, I think that all that geopolitics underpins. Um, the formation of Nigeria, I, you know, I just can't see it being, as Burner Boy is putting it about, as being, you know, just a business deal. It was just business, you know. Um, and uh, I want to talk about America and England, the differences between the two uh, in a minute. But that just, uh, but I will just mention, um, yeah, there's a real danger, I think, when people make rap songs, you know, but, uh, because um, in three minutes, they... Anything they say in three minutes is going to be twisted politics. Rap songs are often about politics, you know. Uh, rock and roll is um, usually not about politics, but rap is usually about po often about politics. And I think hip-hop is a bit like rock and roll, as I think I might have mentioned, but I can't remember. You know, rock and roll and hip-hop are about getting a nice car and then getting a nice girl. Um... Uh, actually, rock and roll is a little bit more old school, you know, just get the car. Um, I think hip-hop is about get a huge mansion in Hollywood and then get about 15 girls, you know. And rock and roll, you know, around your pool. And rock and roll is more about, if 
can get a nice car, uh, I'll get a nice, uh, I'll be able to um, ask a nice girl out on a date, you know, um, a single, one single girl, you know, um, uh, whereas hip-hop, I think, is about if I can, um, look, I won't, I'll, I'll put it pretty bluntly, I think hip-hop is about if I can get myself mega rich with big chains around my neck and just, you know, um, snort cocaine out of $100 notes, um, I could get an orgy going, you know, I'm being really horrible there, but that's, I think that's what, and with about 40 women with big bums and just me, you know, I think that's roughly rap, you know, and I can swagger about and flaunt my wealth, you know, whereas I think rock and roll back, you know, was more about, uh, I'm just trying to get a girl, you know, and I'm not trying to flaunt my wealth as such, I just want a nice car, and, um, and all that sort of thing. All right, that, that's that. Anyway, um, the big problem with political rap, I think, uh, is that um, not that Burner Boy is, um, you know, picking out one element of what Britain was all about in 1900, just one element amongst many. Because one element of what the British were about, excuse me, it's very sunny, that makes you sneeze. Um, was, you know, to get some business going, you know, um, the Royal Niger Company, uh, you know, the one I'm learning about now. Um, yes, but, the, you know, there's an overarching geopolitical imperative which he doesn't mention. Now, here's the problem with rap. Uh, you got, they, they, they're very popular, these rappers, and they get thousands and thousands, if not millions of young males often listening to them, and those young males are often not inquisitive they, they, um, they just take whatever the yeah because these rappers are heroes to them, and authorities, you know, authorities on history as far as these young rappers are concerned. And if um, a rapper like this Burner Boy says that the British, you know, all they were after was um, to you know that Nigeria was built uh, as a, a business, a, a sweet business deal. Um, yeah, and then ignores the geopolitics that was going on at the same time, which was even bigger, and the business deal was just uh, just um, a component part of the geopolitics that was European war and politics. You know, you, you know, to wage war, you need money, and to get money, you need to strip Africa and have a scramble for Africa and be an utter bastard down in Africa. You know, so England was an utter bastard down in Africa. And the reason for that is it wanted to, um, it wanted to um, out-compete, you know, in the law of the jungle sense, its fellow European powers, especially Germany at about that time. Okay. Uh, so, but um, it's not Burner Boy that's the problem. Burner Boy probably knows all this and chose to just put a circle around the bit that was about creating a business and it's about the uh he would be aware of all this surely um but he uh he has ignored the geopolitics and he he would know that most of the young blokes listening to his rap song would be having that emotional political reaction saying the bastards you know um they said they were only after democracy well democracy spreading democracy they well they weren't you know, the British, um, um, and they were just after a business deal, you know, and they weren't, you know, 
it was all geopolitics mainly and the business deals would have been part of the geopolitics component part of the geopolitics all right that's the issue i think is the effect these rap songs which are you know almost um um corruptly narrow in their focus you know um misleading in the extreme now that's not a problem because the person making the rap song probably knows this what's the what the problem is is all the listeners who might be uh uninquisitive and not chasing the history through to see that there was a bigger context by you know and a most obvious context of geopolitics going on in the formation of nigeria so um okay so in summary um burner boy said that england is claiming that nigeria was settled only for uh reasons of wanting to spread democracy you know and i say no they weren't claiming that you know they were um you know that's the sort of thing america might claim but england wasn't claiming that in 1900 no way surely you know um and and he is saying but instead of that england actually was just there to make business deals well no i'm not that either you know wrong wrong you know um now i'm, I'm not i'm not trying to get england out of jail they were bastards in a different way there's a, there's enough bastard about the english to tell the full story you know you don't have to um tell a false story about what bastards the english were tell the tell the people the real tell your rap fans the real story about what bastards the english were and get them angry about that i've got no problem with that but if you get them angry about the wrong thing it just it just makes everything chaotic it makes the public discourse chaotic and the debate and people are when people are angry about the right things you've got more chance of getting somewhere but if you get people angry about the wrong things you you're just going to have chaos because then the other side are just going to react and say that's bulldust you know and then there'll be a fight and then there'll be riots in the street and that's what happens often miscommunication now i'll finish off with just the difference between england and america because i think there are there is a difference um yeah, and I think I already mentioned it, really. But it does, it does highlight for me the difference between the English and the Americans. And I think the English do... I mean, the Americans do have this kind of idealistic idea of not making everyone American in the world, but spreading the uh, certain ideals of freedom and democracy. In some ways, I think the Americans are more noble than the English in that sense. Um but they bull, they they bulldust anyway uh, but the americans have got this idea of not turning everyone into americans as such but they've got this idea that if everybody um adopts liberal uh politics and you know this is the republicans and the democrats you know especially the republicans you know they want everyone to have liberal you know the um, proper liberal um ideals you know, of democracy and all that sort of stuff. Um, you know, like in Iraq, for example, you know, um, and China even, you know, the Americans have got this idea if the Chinese will just adopt democracy and all that sort of stuff and Western-style institutions, then the world will be a more peaceful place. Um, 
but they're not necessarily aiming to turn people into Americans. You know, so they're idealistic. You know, and um, that can cause a lot of damage when you're idealistic. Uh, now, um, the English, on the other hand, are not that idealistic per se. They t- seem to, and I, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, they seem to want to turn people into English people. So they went to India and, uh, you know, they used to dress people up as English people if they could. They'd go to Africa and try and encode. They came to Australia and dressed Indigenous people up as English people. You know, they got kids and put them into English schools and dressed them up as toffs, you know, and all this sort of stuff. That's the English. They're turning, they, they, would, they think that if everyone would be English, you know, not to have the ideals of freedom and democracy and all that sort of stuff you know, that the Americans might um, suggest will make the world a better place. The English have this much more narrow idea, I think, that if everyone would just be English and speak with perfect grammar and, uh, and you know, put the knife and the fork left and right and, um, and dress like English people, then the world will be a better place, you know, because everyone will start queuing. Yeah. Um, and to a certain extent, I am a prime example of how successful the English have been because apparently by DNA testing a brother and a sister independently I went and got DNA tests and apparently we're about sort of 75% Irish, you know. Now, uh, now the English went to Ireland and um, uh, rather successfully, I reckon, um, turned the Irish into English people and I think to a very large extent they've been successful with me. Now, I'm much more English than I am Irish, you know, and, um, you know, to the extent that, in fact, they've been so successful, I'm glad about it. And I'll finish on that note.